Every time that I identify myself ministerially, it's pastor slash evangelist because we have never just been a pastor. Never. There's always that part of me, and they are brought together in a union of ministry. And today I feel that evangelist. The Bible says to do the work of an evangelist. And, and I feel that, that fire uh, and that prophetic anointing. I am not a prophet. I feel like Amos today. You know, Amos said, I'm not a prophet. I'm not in the lineage of prophets. I'm not from a bloodline of prophets. I'm a keeper of sheep and I'm a trimmer of sycamore trees. <laughs> Amen. A harvester of figs. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but while I was keeping the sheep, the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and say unto the house of Israel. So this is a prophetic anointing without being a prophet from a bloodline of prophets. And there are signs and things that would occur to indicate that we are in the last of the last days. And one of those signs is that there would come a falling away, a falling away, a falling away. And I want to talk to you about that today. It's, we're upstream Christians in a downstream world. A man came to our table. I had, I've never read the book, but I know what it must contain because I've read this book and I get that title. I was in a bookstore uh, actually, I was going through a, a, a nervous exhaustion and I went to a Christian bookstore because I just felt peace when I went in and heard Christian music and around Bibles and Christian people, most of them anyway. And I was just going down looking at the titles of books and I saw a book that said, An Upstream Christian in a Downstream World. Had a minister of the gospel, also a chaplain within uh, one of the law enforcement agencies. I don't know if it was sheriffs or which part it was, but he, he is a chaplain and a pastor of a church in Tampa. And we were talking about this conflict of the kingdom of God with the culture that we're in right now. And I, I just blurted it out. I said, we're upstream Christians in a downstream world. He grabbed out a, a little pad and a pencil and he wrote it down. He said, that's my Sunday morning sermon. <laughs> he said, I got it. I said, well, there's no copyright on it. You can have it for free. No charge. Amen. Because we understand that if you're following Jesus today as a Christian, the culture is flowing away from him, from God altogether. But... Also, many areas of the church of Jesus Christ, of the Christian community, is also beginning to flow away. It's going to come to its apex during the tribulation itself when the whole world globally is going to be anti-Christ and anti-God. Initially, there's going to be a revival of religion in terms of a world church. And in order for a world church to come on the scene, it's going to have to be led by a false prophet who is going to call down fire out of heaven and it's going to happen. He's going to mimic the things that happened when the true prophet Elijah prayed and said, let the God that answers by fire. It's going to happen to confirm him. It's not a false wonder. It's going to be a real supernatural event. 
But it's going to come from the spirit of the enemy and not from the spirit of God. And that's coming. In order for the world church to form, even churches that are in doctrinal error, they're going to have to compromise their own doctrine, their own dogma. And that's beginning to happen in major denominations right here and right now. They can't maintain loyalty to their own doctrine and be part of this world church that's going to form. But it's forming. And the compromises that's necessary for it to form are occurring right now. I want to talk to you about that for a few minutes. And I I want you to be an upstream Christian in a downstream world. I want you to be part of those who are not compromised. And if you see in your heart and life today that there's any area of compromise, I I want you to, with God's help, to address that today. Because I believe that we are in the beginning of what is going to happen during the tribulation period. I believe we're in the beginning, therefore, of sorrows. Jesus talked about all these end-time events, and he said, but the end is not yet. This is the beginning of sorrows. I believe we're in the beginning of sorrows, prophetically. And that word sorrows is a unique term. We think that's a simple word to comprehend and understand. In the actual Greek, it means birth pangs. Birth pangs. Birth pangs. Labor. When you go into labor, how many's ever had a child in here? Did you go into labor? Yes, you did. And one of the things they ask you when you go to the hospital or they try to determine is what? Before anything else, how close are those birth pangs coming? Because the closer they're coming, the closer the birth is going to be. When it speaks of the beginning of SARS, the beginning of birth pangs, it said once this begins, it's kind of like a domino effect. We hear of wars and rumors of wars. We hear of distress of nations with perplexity. We hear of earthquakes in diverse places. It's always been that way. There's never been a time in human history there wasn't wars because of the sin and what it's done globally. There's never been a time without earthquakes. Never been a time when the nations of the world had it all figured out and we had a global utopian uh, situation. But there's never been a time that it's coming back to back to back to back. Volcano, earthquake, tidal wave, distress of nations with puzzlement, complex problems that the greatest thinkers and the greatest intellects of the world, the greatest politicians of the world, the greatest diplomats of the world can't address and can't fix amen but we're in that time right now therefore we're in the beginning of sorrows and if we're in the beginning of sorrows and you can see something else occurring in the church and that is we're also in the beginning of the falling away just before the tribulation now the good news is if we're that close to the tribulation we're even closer to the coming of jesus christ can you say amen Listen to this carefully today. This is an important message and and I felt my soul just burning to bring this message, to get it out today. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1 through 3 says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming 
of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, by word, nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Remember, when you see all these things happening, the end is not yet, but these are the precursors. This is the what? The beginning of sorrows. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, speaking of the Antichrist himself. Two, two figures that will be prominent in the, and during the tribulation. And that's the false prophet and the Antichrist. The Bible refers to them as beasts. I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. The sea, figuratively speaking, is out of the nations of peoples. Out of the nations of peoples, these two prominent players in the book of Revelation in the end time, they will come forth. One is the false prophet, and he will, he will have many follow after him. He will lead the world church movement, and, the, and he will use that world conglomeration of religions to get people together to help promote the Antichrist and bring him into power. And when he's in power, he will turn on every religion, even the false religions, because this is the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of anti-God. He hates everything about God and everything concerning God. And the precursor to that false prophet that will come, that beast out of the sea, are the false prophets that are now coming. That precede him. It's happening now. And the falling away. That will come at its apex. Globally during the tribulation. Is occurring now. In the Christian community. This is not a time. To be caught up. In whatever is trending. This is a time to seek. Truth. There's an Old Testament scripture. That I remember reading something in the news that relates directly to me to it. The prophet says, truth has fallen in the street and no one lays it to heart. Truth is fallen in the street and no one lays it to heart. After I read that scripture, I heard a news report. This was many decades really ago that near a large, large condominium complex in a certain part of town a young woman was attacked on the street by a man wielding a knife she was screaming for help as he repeatedly stabbed her with the knife people literally pulled their window shades down they didn't want to get involved they turned away initially no one hearing the screams and the commotion called 911 they didn't have to go down and confront this guy with this knife. All they had to do is pick up the phone and show compassion and concern. This woman fell and bled out in the street and no one laid it to heart. I think of that every time I read in the Old Testament, truth has fallen into the street. I meet people all the time that say, 
Oh, that's Pastor Venable. I was at a funeral a few years ago, two or three years ago, and, and someone saw me at the funeral, used to attend our church, and said, there's a man of God. He preaches the truth. And I thought, yeah, you're right. I am a man of God. I'm not bragging. I'm declaring. I'm called to do this. I'm not hired to do this. I wouldn't be hired to do this. I'm fulfilling a call to do this. Hireling fleeth when the wolf comes. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the sake of the sheep. Listen to me carefully. So we have a reputation of standing for the truth even though it cost us. And clearly it cost us. Because even those who know we declare the truth, many times people choose programs, activities, social events, social services over the truth. Truth falls in the street and nobody cares. We better care. Because what's going to mark the last day is deception like there has never been and never will be again. A false prophet will come during the tribulation. Preceding this man will come many men and women. Many false prophets. Listen to what it says. There will come a falling away first. The Greek word translated rebellion or falling away in verse 3, is apostasia. So we call it the apostasy, from which we get the English word apostasy. It refers to a defection from the true God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. Every age has its defectors, but the falling away at the end times will be complete and worldwide. Now, before that falling away is the precursor to that global Going away from God. In fact, it will be a world church, a worldwide religious system that pulls people away from the scripture and the Bible. The whole planet during the tribulation will be in rebellion against God and his Christ. And every coup requires a leader. Every government that's overthrown through a coup rising up against the government requires a leader. And there will be a world leader that is going to lead this coup against God and his Christ. And he will be the Antichrist. And he will be aided and abetted by a religious figure, the false prophet, the two key players in, during the tribulation. Apostasy is a theological category describing those who have voluntarily and consciously Abandon their faith in the God of the covenant who manifests himself most completely in Jesus Christ. Apostasy is the antonym of conversion. It is deconversion. It is turning away. It was also used in the Latin for divorce. You make a contract to one another and you break that contract and turn away from it. And it's happening today. It's not something that's going to happen in the future. It's happening now. And I want to give you one example. Because this man was a pastor, a Christian author, and a Christian leader. Whether he was Christian or not. How can you be a pastor, claim to be a Christian, write books that sell 
uh, uh, good books on theology uh, and Christology and turn away from the faith. I don't know if he was ever saved. Those that believe that you can't ever be lost would say he never got saved. But it's a terrible thing that you can be all of these things, teach all of these things, pastor a church, write books that are available at the Christian bookstore that are bestsellers, and in turn. His name is Joshua Harris. He announced the end of his marriage. The headline reads, Author, Christian Pastor and Christian Author, Joshua Harris is announcing the end of his 20-year marriage and is kissing his faith goodbye. Not just because he's divorcing his wife. Listen, Harris, the author of the bestseller, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, a book he authored in 97 that he later renounced after, later renounced after shaping purity, of, within the culture for many millennial believers. In other words, he said sex before marriage is long, wrong. Abstinence should be the primary way that we deal with, uh, with, uh, with illeg- illegitimate births, not through abortion. He stood up for all the right things. He pastored a church. He wrote the books. In an Instagram post that I'm going to read from his Instagram, he apologized for his previously held views. And I quote, he said, the information that was left out of our announcement, the end of his marriage, is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. I just read you from a Bible scholar of Scripture that apostasy means deconversion. He knows what's happening. He knows what he's doing. He knows it fits into Bible prophecy of the last days. The biblical phrase is falling away, he says. He's read what I'm reading you. And he's involved in the very thing that the Bible tells us to beware of. And to be alerted to and watchful of. He said by, and I quote, this is in quotations, italics, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me there's a different way to practice faith. And I want to remain open to this. In other words, I've turned my back on all I was taught and all that I taught. And I am part of what the Bible describes as the falling away or the apostasy. This was in 2019. This was last year. This is not something that is future. And this is not an isolated event. Whole denominations are turning away from the truth that they were founded on. And the leaders of those denominations would turn over in, if you could turn over in your grave, they'd be spinning. The apostasy is here. 
Truth is not the central issue to the millennial Christian. I had a lady tell me the other day, she said, I, I have no church home right now. I went to this church for years, but it's become progressive. You know what? It doesn't mean that you're really growing and going in God and getting closer to Christ anymore. Progressive means that we're following the trends. We're not following truth. Trends come and go. Truth is forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my truth will abide forever and forever. And there are doctrinal trends that are here today. The get rich gospel is a trend. It's new. It's not part of something that that we see more clearly that was always there. It was never there. But it's here now. And it's attractive. And many, many, many people with Bibles and, oh, friend of mine, there's so many translations now of the Bible. You've got to be cautioned. Every translation is not faithful to truth. This is a business Bibles cost a lot. You can get one cheaper in a Walmart than a Christian bookstore. may not be the quality. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's the volume. The point is, it's a business. Christian bookstore closed in Lakeland. Big, wonderful Christian bookstore. I love to just go in there and hang out. Amen. And it closed. And found out that it was owned through corporate stuff that Disney. And I'm going to tell you, Disney is not in the gospel business. The mouse don't be playing. You, amen. The mouse will get you if you sell something that has his ears on it. Amen. This is business. It's, Walt is not in charge anymore. Amen. This is big multi-billion dollar business and they have no interest in truth. They have no interest in the gospel. Come on. I'm not letting the cat out of the bag. The cat was never in the bag. Amen. There's one thing that drives these big conglomerates and corporations, and that is profit. People are not interested in staying accurate necessarily. They they actually wrote Moody Bible Institute, and they told them they were going to come out with a Bible. One of the Bible publishers, they were going to come out with a Bible that was gender neutral. In other words, we can't call God He. We can't call God Him. I mean, the world's gone nuts. We shouldn't go nuts with them. That's not our family tree. Can you say amen? You've got a new family now. You're the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. You're not the, oh no, you're not the children of darkness. You're the children of light. Glory to God. And this actually happened, and they were talking about it on Moody about three or four years ago. They sent a copy of a gender neutral Bible and said, would you endorse it? And they said, no, not only would we not endorse it, we will stand firmly, loudly against it. You can't change the book to fit the culture. But they want to. They're not only do they want to, they're willing to. If they can come out with something that more people will buy that's more acceptable to make more money. Keith Green years ago would not sign a contract. He came out of the recording industry. He would not sign a contract with some of the Christian recording 
industry people. You know why? Because he saw the dollars becoming more important than the music becoming a vehicle for the gospel of Christ. And he simply didn't want to get involved in the business end of that. Where you turn out an album, maybe with one song that has some kind of significance and fillers that just fill it up with beat with no clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in it and no incentive to worship the true and the living God. Just to tap your feet and clap your hands. Amen. Worship music used to be called sacred music. Why? Because it was for God. It wasn't for sale and for profit. I love Christian entertainment. I think it's the best entertainment you can choose, but never mistake it for worship. Christian entertainment is horizontal. It's playing to the Christian community, and that's good. I like to be in the crowd that enjoys the entertainment, but that's not worship. Worship is not horizontal. Worship is vertical. It's set apart. It's for God. Good news is when we lift him up, we get lifted up. So it's a win-win when we worship properly. Amen? I hate to tell you these things, but you need to be alerted to what's happening. And it's all because love, love for God is waning. And the reason that that's waning is clear in Scripture. Listen to Revelation 2, verse 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. Let me tell you something about repentance. It's not trending. It shouldn't be trending. Trends come and go. Truth is forever. Trends will not set you free, but truth will set you free. If you continue in my word, John 8, 30 and 31, you'll know the truth. Not just intellectually, but by revelation. And you'll not just know it by revelation. As you apply it and walk in it, you'll know it by realization. Can you say amen? And it will set you free. I went into the break room when I was bivocational for lunch. I walked in. Our lunch was at night because I was on the afternoon shift. And I walked in and, and someone was arguing something with somebody. And they just blurted out said, hey, Rev, didn't the Bible say the truth will set you? Didn't the Bible say truth will set you free? The truth will set you free? I said, no, that's not in context. No, you can't just pull that out. No, that's not what it says. It's in there, but in the context it's in, it involves your commitment to seek and obey the Word of God. It's pulling this stuff out. It's this shallow. One Christian that came here from a persecuted country where the gospel has to be taken underground uh, to even flourish there, came to America. And coming out of that kind of persecution, they were asked after a church, their first their, their first exposure to the church world in America as it stands today. And you know what they said? 
They asked them, doesn't it feel good to worship in this kind of freedom? And you don't have to worry about being incarcerated or beat up or, or tortured or put in jail or killed. And, and they said, you know something? It is wonderful. You, you have something here in America that you should cherish, the freedom to worship openly and to follow your heart and your beliefs. He said, but I miss the kind of feeling of God's presence that I had when we met secretly and we were putting everything on the line to pursue God's truth and to pursue Jesus Christ. He said, I miss that. One missionary from Africa said that religion is popular in many sections of America, but he said it's like a river that is a thousand miles long and only one inch deep. Without devotion to Jesus, it's a shallow thing. Even though it's a big looking thing, it really doesn't have a lot of water. It doesn't hold a lot of water. So the message of repentance is not trending today. And it shouldn't be. Because trends come and go. But God's word, God's truth abides forever. This ministry was built on God's word. This ministry was built on God's truth. And if we start trying to compete with programs of other churches and presentations of churches that have the staff and the people to do that, we have no, we have no business continuing. I don't want to continue under those conditions. I'm not here to compete. I'm here to complete a calling. I'm here to finish my course with joy. I want him to say to me what I would say if you cook me a steak. By the way, I do not like a steak that moves at me when I try to cut it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> what did they say? Slap it on the rump and put it, put it on the skillet. And oh, it's some kind of saying that I shouldn't even be saying. So let's <laughs> let's get away from that as soon as possible. I want to hear something from my my master. <laughs> I, I want to hear something from my master. More than I want to see the holy city, I want to hear something from my master when I get home. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter ye in to the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. My joy will never end if I can be faithful to the end. Praise God. Hallelujah. Truth is what has built this ministry. We do not preach with respect to persons. If someone comes in here that has a million dollars to invest in our ministry and doesn't want to hear about the sin in their life, they're not going to stay here and I'm not going to quit preaching it. And you know that about me. It has cost us. We could have compromised. I had a man come and tell me one time, you don't need to be wearing no shirt and tie. You need to put on a flannel shirt and a pair of tennis shoes and jeans. Well, that's a comfortable way to preach. But that's not me. Not me. This is holy to me. This is not some casual thing. I dress up when I go to a wedding because that kind of event requires a different kind of attitude. Doesn't it? And I'm not dressing up and I'm not putting out a dress code here. There was two ladies in the bathroom week before last when my wife was here. And my wife heard one say to the other, say, you know, when you know they're talking to one another in the bathroom, said, Boy, that really sounds good over there. 
If I wasn't in my pajamas, I don't know why they're wearing pajamas. Maybe they're changing into swimsuits. I don't know. <laughs> if I wasn't in my pajamas, I'd go, I'd go in. And Pamela, I think, said something to her, the effect, come on in. You know, you can, not in your PJs, but come on in. But wouldn't, if, if they were decent pajamas, come on in. We can handle it. I thought about, it, since you can hear it over there and, and people want to hear more, <laughs> you know, could we get one of those Bluetooth speakers? Hide it behind the commode. <laughs> Somebody say, boy, that's good preaching. <laughs> Amen. I don't know where it's coming from. Is that you, Lord? <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you what, I want to get the truth out. Amen. If somebody hears something that resonates in their spirit, that rings true, I believe it will draw them. He that hath an ear. He that hath a heart for the truth. He that hath a willingness to follow Christ. He that hath an ear. We all got these. We're talking about a heart for God. Hallelujah. Let him hear what? What the Spirit. Not what the man has prepared, but what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I believe that the Spirit of God is speaking clearly. In fact, I believe he's shouting to his people, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you for what fellowship hath light with darkness or Christ with Belial as it is written saith the Lord I will walk in them perambulate I will move freely in them and I will move in them there's a move of God coming for those who will embrace the truth and not turn it loose Hallelujah. There's a move of the Spirit coming. I sat in my chair at my desk and praised Him in tongues and talked to Him in tongues and because I couldn't find the words in English to tell Him what I was overflowing and feeling in my heart. Hallelujah. I want to go out of here known whether people come or stay away, appreciate or not, applaud or not, come to embrace the truth or not, choose entertainment over truth or not. I want to go out of here knowing that I've finished my course. I want to be able to say I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Hallelujah. I've finished my course. I have fulfilled the ministry that God has set for me to accomplish, whether they listen, whether they don't, whether they support, whether they don't, whether they come or stay away. I've stood in the pulpit and declared what God sent me to declare. Hallelujah. And when I stand before my master... I am pure. As Paul said, I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you not what's trending, but the whole counsel of God. Hallelujah. If you go to hell, it won't be my fault. If you backslide, it won't be laid to my charge. Can you say amen? We had a Holy Ghost revival years ago when we started at the Holy Church of God at 10th and Sitka in Suffering Springs, Suffer Springs. <laughs> there was a man came with his wife that we were having a dinner downstairs and 
And then he, he looked over at his wife. He said, if you go to Brother Venable's church very long, you won't have to worry about backsliding because you're going to front slide. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I thought, Lord, so be it. Let it be that people are drawn to you that these barriers are broken down, that these hearts that have that hard place in it, amen, that that hard, hard place part is removed and that soft heart toward God. We used to call it walking softly before Him. We wanted to please Him. We wanted to obey Him. We didn't want to drift away. We didn't want to be caught up in the flow that is away from God. But we wanted to be part of that people who are seeking Him. Until he come and rain righteousness on us. Because we're hungry and thirsty for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Millions are being deceived. With Bibles in their laps. Because the words of the false prophets. Are ego soothing. Exciting. And more desirable. Than scriptures focus on self-sacrifice and surrender. First prerequisite for following Jesus is not self-fulfillment, self-aggrandizement, selfishness, self-serving. The first prerequisite for being a disciple of Jesus is denying yourself. Because believe me, if you don't, you will never take up your cross in order to follow him. Because taking up your cross means crucifying the flesh and its lust. Right now, what's selling the gospel, what is trending, is self-indulgence, not self-sacrifice. You give to this ministry, you'll have a mansion like mine. You give to this ministry, and God blesses giving. Don't get me wrong, He does. But what they've done with that is turn it into lasciviousness. And greed driven. It promotes the flesh. It doesn't help you crucify it. It helps glorify it. Supposing that gain is godliness from such turn away. Don't follow it. And yet Christians with Bibles in their hands are looking at the personality of the preacher and their interpretation of Scripture rather than studying to find out the truth. Truth falls in the street and no one lays it to heart. There are people that know I preach the truth. A lady told me, I, ha I have no church home. My and my husband don't have a church home at this time. And they were going to a big church. with, And there's nothing wrong with a big church. If we had a big church, I wouldn't be complaining. I don't want no big church. No. The more people I can reach, if 10,000 came, I'd love to preach to 10,000. So I'm not anti-big church. What I am is when people identify with that church instead of identifying with Jesus Christ. She said it's become progressive. I kind of quizzed her. In other words following the new trends to reach the millennials. I believe truth will set a millennial free. I believe the same truth that set people free in the first church will set it free in this generation. I don't believe truth is something that can be relegated to the, the, the early church and not to the post-modern post church of today. 
God's word is truth. Jesus said, I'm the truth. And when you know the truth, it still sets you free. We need, oh, I, I used to love the title of a, I didn't listen too much to it. It wasn't quite, you know, my cup of tea. But I appreciated the broadcast. I appreciated the title. Back to the Bible. Back to the Bible. I didn't agree with J. Bernard McGee. He said he'd give a million dollars to anybody could prove the miracle occurs today. Oh, I wish he was still alive. I could use the money. And so could Caleb. When asked in Sunday school class when she was a lot shorter than she is now and before she got her driver's license about miracles. And does anybody know anybody that's received a miracle? And she said, me. Amen. Hallelujah. I've received a miracle. I've experienced a manifestation of God. I'm here because of a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you couldn't prove it to J. Bernard McGee because he already made up his mind. I call those folks concrete Christians, thoroughly mixed and permanently set. Can you say amen? But I appreciate large portions of his teaching that was truthful and accurate. But I like the song they came on with. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord. Hallelujah. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to this. When love wanes, Matthew 24, verse 11 and 12 said, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And this word many means most in the Greek. It doesn't mean many, but there's more that are following truth. This is the word for most in the Greek. And because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. This has got to be the church because the world has never feigned love for God. They don't fake it because they don't love Him. Period. And they're clear about that. Someone comments, boy, do I agree with this. This is cause and effect that we are seeing played out before our eyes as culture redefines reality according to its lust and depravity. Those clinging to scriptural definitions of sin are being quickly outnumbered. As wickedness becomes more popular and socially acceptable, people without a solid biblical worldview are being swept up by its grandiose promises. They are rethinking and reevaluating the Bible's relevance in our modern world. The definitions of gender, sexuality, and morality are being challenged. You know, somebody said the other day I was having lunch with a minister. He said this whole thing, you know, some lady got on there and said she was going to let her child decide if the child was male or female that the parents shouldn't make that distinction. And I thought, what? I mean, if this wasn't happening, you'd think this is, this is beyond crazy. This is not insane. This is unsane. He said, you know, this is pretty simple. He said, you pick up a puppy. 
How do you tell? Do you let the puppy decide? Or can you figure it out? You hold it up, right? You look at its equipment. I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? That's a boy. That's a girl. Don't give the boy the doll. Don't give the boy the dress. Pink and blue, what happened? When you get into a crazy culture like this, somebody better stand up and say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. We need someone with a clear word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it better not be Oprah or Deepak whoever. Deepak whoever, this spiritualist guy that's, that's ranting and raving about spirituality over on the educational channel. The definitions of gender and morality are being challenged even with some segments of the church causing the unschooled in truth to collapse beneath the weight of these new insights. It's no wonder that the flicker of love that may have been ignited by the Holy Spirit is squelched in favor of a new love and a new God created in the image of the culture. Listen to this carefully. There's two reasons this happens. One is false teaching and the second is iniquity abounding you get false prophets that will not call sin sin and distinguish this is the way walk ye in it and tell the truth regardless of the budgetary concerns or fitting in with the culture you're going to find iniquity abounding and in those conditions the love of most will wax cold we're in the beginning of the falling away. We have to come up with every scheme in the world, the cross and Christ dying on that cross doesn't have the major draw to people today. I like to go here because of that. I like to go there because of this. Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you, but Christ and him crucified. I will not change the focus. I will not change the message to accommodate a culture, even a church culture that no longer loves him enough to serve him because of his sacrifice. Listen to me carefully. Resulting in love for God waxing, that's an old word not used anymore. It means it is a progressive thing, not an instant thing. Waxing means, waxing cold means that it is deteriorating. The love for God, the love for Christ is deteriorating. The church had better become program-driven, program-laden to attract people because entertainment is what you give them to get them there. The, church, the cross isn't the draw, and the truth isn't the ultimate reason for going. There was a time you stand up for truth. People who love the truth who filled your building because they filled it in one of the worst places in Tampa at the time when we came there. Left a career at Tampa Electric to come and pastor in the middle of Sulphur Springs. Stayed there for over 20 years. The door was open. I led personally several people to the Lord during that time, and it was worth it all. Some, some people in this room maybe came to Jesus or came back to Jesus that were backslidden during that time. Mike's grandma came there. 
He came there. I remember looking for Mike and think the rapture took place and the rest of us got left. He was sitting by her and he's gone all of a sudden. I'd walk back there and lay in between the pews, tears in his eyes, seeking God. There was Mike Schutz. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I said, God is doing this. I said, not something I'm doing. God is doing this. One time the adults had come and prayed and been prayed over and prayed for. And all of a sudden a bunch of the young people. Oh, you don't get them down front under conviction. Amen. Unless the Holy Spirit is doing the drawing. Can, because they feel like this is not involving me necessarily so much. But there they were in the altar seeking God. I went to Haiti and, and we were taking, taking food to, to our missionary that we supported and we're still supporting missions in Haiti. <laughs> Amen. And, and I, I went over there and I went to the, the mission home and I saw 50 kids in range from five years old right on up uh, to 15 years old. And there was at least 50 of them come out to greet me. Because they knew we were part of the support of their food coming in. Most of them were bush babies. Bush babies were kids that were starving to death. Their parents were starving. They couldn't care for them. So they brought them to the mission home and left them. And they took them in. They didn't just feed them. They taught them about Jesus. And they began to sing. Oh, they begin to sing with no orchestra, no music. They just begin to sing and love on the Lord. And I'm talking about small children. With, they begin to sing and praise God in French Creole. Hallelujah. And, and the singing got louder and louder. And, and, you know, at first I thought they're putting on a show for me. And I realized they have their eyes shut. They're not looking at me at all. Amen. Their hands are raised. Hallelujah. They're praising God. They're worshiping God. Young children worshiping God with tears streaming down their face. My Jesus, I love you. My Jesus, I love you. My Jesus, I love you so. Oh, when they sang that, my heart melted because it was pure praise in the mouth of who? People that have practiced it, got it down, it's a given. In the mouth of babes, praise is perfected because there's no one putting on a show for anybody. And then I heard, as they began to sing and praise him, I heard, Bini swallow the nail. Benny swallowed the nail. I thought, well, let's pray for Benny. Can you say, man, he swallowed a nail. He's got issues. We need a miracle. No, Benny swallowed the nail in French Creole is praise ye the Lord. When we sold our church, a guy came from the county and he had an accent. And I said, you're from the islands. He said, yes, I am. He, I said, Benny swallowed the nail. He said, praise the Lord. I said, you're from Haiti. He said, yes, I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 And I came back and I thought, oh God, cannot we worship with that kind of passion and sincerity like these kids are worshiping you? Can't we do that without being stimulated by hitting C minor on a Hammond organ? When I first went to Jamaica, 
as part of a ministerial team, I thought, where's the music? We're getting ready to start the service. Where's the musicians? Where's the music? And I saw an old gray-haired fellow. He came carrying a satchel that was so old. It was leather at one time. But now it had changed colors and looked moldy and, and worn. And I thought, here he comes. And he walks up front, sits down his satchel. He pulls out a pair of Christ symbols. You seen the monkey with the symbols? Well, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. You know, no, he started and struck a beat by barely touching them to one another. I said, that sounded pretty good. Amen. <laughs> don't, don't know what's going to happen next, but at least it's joyful. He is making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And they begin to sing. And praise God with nothing but the him striking the beat. And they're, they're worshiping from their heart. And I thought, Lord, I'd love to capture this spirit of praise and worship. These people that come for miles to hear the truth, to sit in the heat without a big orchestra to entertain them and a big choir to wow them. And yet they're all worshiping God as if he's right there in the room. Wow. Some of them, because they never knew when they'd get another pair of shoes, they took their old pair of shoes and they walked barefooted to the meeting and put on the shoes just before they walked in. Wow. What devotion. Not just emotion, but what deep devotion to Christ. And they begin to sing. My mother and father in the promised land. Someday soon me shake my father's hand. Every time I think about Jesus, I feel good. I feel good, good, good. I feel good, wonderful good. Every time I think about Jesus, I feel good. You know what? Is that biblical? David said, my meditation of him shall be sweet. Can you say amen? What are you meditating on on Sunday morning? Oh, Lord in heaven, how are we going to do What's going to happen here? What's going on at work? You need to get rid of that clutter. Get lost in the Lord. Let him draw you close to himself. Hallelujah. So he can keep you in this very perilous or dangerous time that we are in. Now, God test us. I was asked a question. I'm going to answer it with this scripture. We're going to close. There's much more. Of course, you know there's much more. I've never finished a sermon in my life. But I'm going to stop for your sake. Why does God allow the false prophets? I'm going to give you a biblical answer for that. Why does God allow them to flourish? Someone asked me one time, said, Pastor, why is it that the cults are flourishing and Christianity, true Christianity, biblical Christianity, is under heavy persecution because the devil doesn't fight false prophets, false teachers, and false religions. And God has a purpose in allowing it. Their judgment is coming, but he allows it to flourish for a purpose. I want you to check your heart as we read this scripture before we close this service. Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 3. 
If there arise among you a prophet, remember many false prophets? Or a dreamer of dreams. I had a guy come to me. I, we had a Sunday morning service at our church where we were. We stopped at Hardy's Hamburger Place to get a hamburger, sanctified by the word and prayer. Amen. <laughs> Take the calories out of these french fries. I'm enjoying my hamburger, and a guy that had attended our church service came in. He made a beeline for me. I tried to hide under the table, but he found me anyway. No, I didn't try to hide. I just knew, you know, that he's probably not interested in what would bless me. And I was right. He said, Pastor, I have the gift of dream interpretation. I said, really? He said, yes, and I would like you to have me to your congregation and everyone that's had a dream of any kind, I can tell them the spiritual meaning of that. And I said, no, sir, can't do that. I don't find that gift. I know God can give spiritual dreams, and it says about old men and young men, visions and dreams. But the gift of dream interpretation is not part of biblical writ, and we don't allow that in our church. I want you to know... You're not, you're not dealing with your average, everyday, job-scared preacher here. Amen? I am a puppet. I am a puppet. But God is pulling the strings. I even have sheep try to tell me what to preach. And when the sheep lead the shepherd, something is desperately wrong. I'm not always right, but I'm always accountable to God for you. Amen. There will people there are people who won't come back when they find out what I'm really all about. They like my personality, they love my jokes. But when you get hit with truth, you got to grow up. You'll get in, get out or get run over. You say, brother Rimble, why don't you just not be so dogmatic? Okay, I'll be bulldogmatic. If this is not real, why bother? But if this is real, we need to double down on it. We don't need a jelly back. What did, what did, what did John the Baptist say? What did you come out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Do you think I'm going to quit telling the truth because I'm not operating under your control and your permission and your office? By what authority are you doing this? <laughs> he said, you didn't come down to get baptized. You came down to criticize. You came down to try to get me under your control. That's not what's going to bring revival. It's when man is not in control and God is in control. When man is not the one operating, but the Holy Spirit is. And when he comes, he's the spirit of truth. He didn't just come to give you a liver shiver on Sunday morning. He came to give you something that has set you free and keep you free. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you're, you and I are going to face this test in this day of many false prophets. It's going to test your love for God. Because it's love for God that keeps you seeking truth. It's your reverence for Him and respect for Him. Let God be true. And every man, that includes me, 
If there's a conflict, go with God. Not me. But make sure it's biblical and make sure it's scriptural and make sure it's balanced, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee, listen, this is, this is, this is signs and wonders to confirm error, not to confirm truth. So just because it's a sign or a wonder doesn't mean it's true. False prophet will cause fire to come down. It's not God's fire. It's not a lying wonder. That means it's not real. It's going to be very real. There's a spiritual realm and the devil's real. He has a certain degree of power to manifest. God has all power. But the devil has some. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. And the sign or a wonder, listen carefully, come to pass. Oh, well, then you go with the doctrine. You go with that leader. No, you do not. Let me tell you how close this comes in the New Testament before we quit. If an angel comes, not some preacher with a gift, but an angel, celestial, bright, glowing, winged, haloed angel comes and brings any other gospel than that that has been preached, rebuke him. Let him be anathema. What? Honey, people are not equipped to rebuke an angel bringing falsehood when they won't even check out a preacher if they love his personality and his presentation. And that's why there's a lot of people on TV right now bringing something so false you can't even get it close to representation of classic biblical Christianity. The Bible said they'll make merchandise of you. They'll make merchandise of you. When they see you, they don't see one of God's precious sheep that they are commissioned to feed with the word of God, the word of truth. They see you as a financial asset. And many of them have hired New York marketing firms to stimulate the giving to their ministry while preaching faith and dependence on God. And you know what the marketing firms tell them? Even if you get enough to meet your budget, never say you have enough. Stay in a perpetual crisis so that people will be stimulated to keep on giving. Does that sound like God to you? How far from God can we get? And yet who keeps pouring it in? There are people rather be in a line right now to get a word from the Lord through whoever without even checking them out as long as they hear what they want to hear that would not come to a Bible study. They'll stay till one in the morning to fall out in the spirit, but they won't stay till 12 in the afternoon to be taught the word of God. That's why it's the biblical illiteracy 
we, we had the power of God in our church. I mean, God came down. He showed up and showed out and people fell out and there were words from the Lord given. A lot of people just came for that alone. Pastor had a pastor's Bible class. In effect, Sunday school, adult Sunday school, 12 people. Morning service, full orchestra, steel guitar, fiddle, bass guitar, piano. Wow, it was good. I love it. I wish we had it right now. That's not going to take the place of truth. What you're getting right now is more important than any praise service we ever had. And praise is important, but not more important than the truth of the gospel. Twelve people. Two people came for the teaching that would not even stay for the rest of the service. They gave $100 in the Sunday school offering back when $100 meant more. Now it's just chump change. No, not to us it is. Somebody said, give me $100 and there ain't going to be no chump change. There was a time when $100 was a big part of your offering. And if you have 100 to give today, it's going to be a big part of ours because there's not that many of us. So give us your chump change. Amen. <laughs> and they said, we love the teaching. We love the teaching. Don Norman came from Africa. Out of his mega church in Africa, there were, there were 46 satellite churches established. He came here and went to Or Roberts University and spoke to the graduating class. And he came from Or Roberts University to 10th and Sitka to the Holy Church of God. Hallelujah. Came in, set up his tapes in a corner room. He told his wife while they were sitting up because we were in the Bible study, the 12 of us, because nobody else cared about the Bible much. They loved the gifts and the anointing. Amen? And I love it too. But if you don't know the truth, you're ill-equipped to deal with the devil who is the father of lies, who's a liar and the father of it. And the armor of God is for one specific thing that the devil has to use against you, the wiles of the devil. Not the power. This is not a power and power thing. This is a truth and lie thing. Amen? Wiles means his strategy of deceit. And Paul said, I'm concerned about you that even as... Eve was deceived and Adam was deceived that you would be deceived. You would be taken away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully. You say, brother, this is going to cost you. No, it's not. It's our only hope of having God's favor and God's blessing is to stand true to him right now. Amen. And to not compromise and not cop out. And not give way to whatever is trending to get people in a building. We don't want heads in a building. We want hearts for Jesus. There's a difference in the way you're going at this thing. So listen to it carefully. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth you a sign or a wonder. And the sign or the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee saying. Now this is to confirm something wrong. So you don't follow it, even if it comes to pass. Let us go after other gods. 
which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you. Why does he allow it? To test our commitment to truth. To test your commitment to truth. My commitment to truth. Thou shalt not hearken to the words of that prophet. Even if what he says to you comes to pass and it leads you away from God to worship a false God or that that is not biblically accurate. The Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. See, when the love of many waxes cold, it opens the door. It opens the door. When you start cooling off in your passion for Christ, your devotion to Christ, the door is open for deception. What was the issue that would hold you to truth in spite of what you see, what you feel, what someone says, even if that sign or wonder, that prophecy come to pass? To see if you love him. It's about your devotion to him. Or what you want. What did they say would happen in the last day? They would heap to themselves teachers. Having itching ears. You tell me what I want to hear. You prophesy to me what I want to hear. And irrespective and irregardless of the rest of your doctrinal view... I'm going to come and support that ministry, that man, that woman. Pentecostals historically have went after the sign and wonder. And that's why there was 12 people in my Bible class. And 125 to 150 when we used the balcony in the morning service. Truth was not what people came after. We would lay hands on. We saw, we saw miracles. We saw miracles. My wife and I stood. There's a lady who had a baby turned the wrong way, and they were going to have to give her a C-section. She came up for prayer. I went to lay hands on her. My wife was standing with her hand on me. I saw. Now, when I say I saw, it's not like looking at a television set or a vision. I just saw in my spirit. I saw the baby turn around. From breach to where it needed to be for a natural, normal birth. <laughs> and my wife saw it. And she jumped like that and I jumped like this because of what we saw in our spirit. It's hard to explain. But we saw it and I blurted it out. I said, that baby turned around. Well, when you blurt out something like that, you better be right. Can you say that? She went back to the doctor and guess what? That baby turned around. We don't need no stinking C-section. He didn't say it that way. I'm just adding emphasis because I'm happy to tell you about miracles today. But if that miracle occurred and I deviated from the truth of the gospel according to the word of God, did you know that woman was supposed to get out from under my influence and my ministry do you understand what I'm saying? Miracles don't make the person right. Because the false prophet is going to have lying wonders occur. What Elijah did, he's going to imitate. Fire is going to come down out of heaven. 
and the world is going to wonder after him. And he is going to promote the Antichrist. And the world church and the false prophet and the Antichrist will bring in the time of Jacob's trouble. But that day shall not come until there come a falling away first. And that's where we are here. That's where we are now. It's the apostasy. So I'm going to ask you a very personal question today. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Are you prepared to stand up and stand on God's truth no matter what? Because if you leave your first love, what happens? You're open to deception. This is no time for playing church. This is no time in the name of love and acceptance and tolerance to sell out truth. The road that leads to destruction is a broad way. The gate is wide and many there be that go in thereat. But the path that leads to life eternal is a straight way. Have you ever heard of being in dire straits? It doesn't mean this, this perfect azimuth, this perfect line. You know what it means? It means there's going to be a pushback. Straight. Narrow is the gate, straight is the way. Who are these people that came into heaven then? These are people, it was answered. John is seeing this and the angel said, who are these? He wanted to tell John, so he wanted John to ask the question. They're coming out of every kindred, every tongue, and every nation. And they have washed their robes and made them white. In the blood of the Lamb, they chose the narrow, straight way. Who are these? These are they who through not the great tribulation. These are not just tribulation saints. These are saints. Save people from every kindred, tribe, and nation. And through much tribulation, Phelps's pressure, back pressure, have entered into the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? There's going to be a back pressure. Your flesh is going to fight against you. The culture is going to fight against you. The devil is going to fight against you. But God is going to fight for you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise in this room. Oh, let's stand up and give him some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Word of God speak right here, right here. I'm more committed than I've ever been. Whatever the cost, I'm committed to bring God's truth. A day will come, and I believe it's coming very soon, when the politicians, the professors, of colleges and the think tanks can't figure all of this out. 
A day will come when false prophets and false religious systems can't deliver us. A day will come when we must have a word from the Lord. Everybody say, where there's no vision, the people perish. That's usually used in the context of evangelism. Raise your eyes, look on the fields. If you don't, you're going to miss the harvest. No. In its context, it's prophets getting a clear word from God to give the people. I'm talking about the context. I'm not talking about how we're used to using it. I'm talking about where it is in Scripture and why it's there. You understand what I'm telling you? It would be interpreted this way in context where there is no clear word in the mouth of the prophet. No clear word in the mouth of the prophet. No clear word. You see, the prophet is supposed to declare this is the way. Walk ye in it. Nothing more and nothing less. Where there's no clear word in the mouth of the prophet, my people perish. My people are deceived and therefore my people are destroyed. And why are they destroyed? My people perish for a lack of God's protection and provision? No, for a lack of of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of truth. Truth is fallen in the street and nobody lays it to heart. Entertain me on Sunday. Soothe me over. Tell me all that God's going to do for me and send me out with a smile on my face. Honey, Jeremiah told the truth. You know what it got him? Put in a dungeon. Dungeon he was in was a hole in the ground, a pit dug in the ground. It had the bars was a mesh metal over top of that. And they they slapped him. The leaders of Israel slapped him in the face because he said, you know, God's going to judge this nation. All they wanted to hear is God's going to bless this nation. But if they listened, they would have repented and God would have blessed that nation. But they put him in the dungeon, in the mire. And the Bible said when he hit the bottom, he sunk down in that mire. The urine and the excrement and the moisture coming into that pit. He was living in that. And all they gave him was bread and water. The bread of affliction. Just enough to keep life barely in that body. And down in that mire and that filth and that stink and this wholesale rejection of the truth of God. He said, I'm not going to preach anymore. Now, I haven't been in that condition. But I've had times in my life in ministry when I thought, Lord, you need somebody else. There, nobody's listening to me. They're going their own way. And I know where it's going to lead because I believe the scripture and I've lived long enough to watch the reaping and sowing law operate in the life of people coming to church on Sunday but not following Christ on Monday. 
and I know it's coming. And I live with that knowledge. Even while I'm preaching, I know what's coming. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. God doesn't have to decide it. He set that in motion from the beginning. It's in motion now. I want you to be spiritual law graduates. I want you to be graduates of spiritual law school. I want you to be able to sow the right seed so you can reap the right harvest. You know what most people do? They sow the wrong seed and go to church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. Well, the crop isn't going to fail. The crop isn't going to fail. The crop isn't going to fail. We can pray all day. We can anoint you with so much oil. You can start your own oil company. But I'm going to, you can fast till they stick you through a keyhole. But the law of God is going to operate. And he's not deciding it because he's mad at you. He set it in motion and said, this is how things are going to run. As long as time endures, seed time and harvest is going to continue. Glory to God. I want to sow, hallelujah. I want to sow obedience to God this morning. I want to sow love for God this morning. I want to sow. Well, I'm not perfect and I won't be. But I'm pursuing perfection. I'm not part of the frozen chosen today. I'm not satisfied without being challenged on Sunday morning. Because I want to be changed. Hallelujah. And I'm expecting some good things. Why? Because I'm sowing some good seed. Are you bragging? No, I'm telling you how I live my life, how I've chosen to live. I don't want to go to church and be entertained. I want to go and be challenged. Can you say man? If you don't challenge me, I ain't got no use for it. There's nothing they can, there's no show they can put on that's enough to bring me there without getting me in a situation where I say, Lord, I want to love you supremely. I want to follow you with all that I am, serve you with all that I have. Hallelujah. And if there's something wrong, I want to get it right. I want to be convicted. I don't want to be petted. Because you lay in the back of an ambulance on your way to the hospital. And nobody's there but you and these people that say, we're bringing him in. He may die in route. We don't know. But you've got him. I wouldn't trade that for 10,000 people buying me a car for every week. I wouldn't trade that to get you to come back. And I want you to come back. Can you say, man, we need you. But I wouldn't trade truth to get you to come back. Because I'm going to answer for you. And I want to, when, when the question is asked that was askable, where is the flock? Where is the flock? Where is the flock that I put you in charge of? Where is my flock? I want to say here they all are. Not one of them is missing. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Here they are, Lord. Praise God. Here they are. Thank you, Father. How many people say, Pastor, I see truth falling in the street. And I want, I want to follow the Lord with all of my heart now more than ever. Let me see your hand. Let God see it today. I want to follow the Lord now 
more than I ever have in all of my life and all of my days. Look around you. Look at the people you know that are caught up in the falling away. Look at the people you and I know that have lost that first love, that's lost the candlestick. They've lost their influence because they can't say follow me as I follow Christ because they're not wholly following Christ any longer. Look at the ministries that have been lost. People with anointings on their life that no longer pursue Jesus supremely. And therefore, God cannot trust them with the anointing He placed and the gifts He imparted. And what a waste of opportunity. And what a waste of time. I want to take everything God's given me and invest it for the kingdom, Brother Taylor. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. I want to see every person in this room in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to plunder hell and populate heaven for the glory of God. That's why from two until three this morning, I'm sitting at my desk praising God and thanking him. Thanking him for his truth and his love and his commitment, his wonderful, wonderful mercy, not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance and have eternal life. Help me bring that good news to this awful, blinded, bound, battered, hell-bound world. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the call of God. I thank you it occurred when I was in my mother's womb. I thank you that when my dad said, let this child live and I'll give this child to you, be it male, female. Let my wife live and this child live. My birth was in jeopardy. My mother's life was in jeopardy. My dad had to make a decision and he made it in the bathroom of the hospital in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. If you let my wife live and the child live, I give my child to you. God took it serious. My first grade teacher called my parents in and said, do you realize that God, this amazing thing, that God has his hand on your son. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I didn't come here to go through the church politics to try to get elected. I came here because God said go to Tampa. I came. Hallelujah. 46 years. 46 years. Honey, I would not be standing here today surviving what I've been through in my family if I wasn't called of God to do it. Can you say amen? But I feel a freedom and a liberty here today. Hallelujah. Independent Assemblies of God is a perfect fit for me. That's who we're affiliated with because they said it's not a democracy. Amen. It's a theocracy. God said separate unto me this one. God said separate unto me that one. God set forth the ministry. Not a board of a church. You say, well, you're not doing it right. Yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. Get your Bible out sometime. It's a wonderful book full of instructions. You don't get to vote on this. You vote by coming or leaving. You vote by giving or not giving. 
But you definitely vote, and people have voted. But even if it empties, I've got to find somewhere to preach. <laughs> Can you say, man, because I, I'm not off the hook because people decide I'm not going to listen to you. Right? I don't want to be off the hook. Dear Lord, what would I do with this fire if I couldn't pour it out on you guys? I might explode. I'd be sitting at my desk and Pamela would come in and be pieces of me all over the wall. Say, well... I knew he had to find a place to preach. <laughs> oh, I love the Lord. I know some of you look kind of strange, but you are strange. Amen. You're different. You're not like the world. If you come here, you're weird, man. You don't fit the mold. You're exceptional. And I'd love to see you with the joy that's in me right now. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus went to the cross. Don't nobody say amen no more because I'm trying to close. Amen. You'll never hear a preacher say that, will you? Hallelujah. Stretch your hand this way and pray with me and for me. I want to see a revival before I go home. I want to see a revival before I go home. I have no interest I have absolutely no interest in church politics and programs without the Holy Spirit being free to move. It not only doesn't interest me, it bothers me. It gets in the way. It gets in the way. It gets in the way. We need a revival in America like we've never needed a revival. We need a spiritual awakening in the church of Jesus Christ. And let everyone that names the name of Christ if you're going to identify with him, let them depart from iniquity. See, iniquity can't abound in us. Can you say amen? amen. Let every man, let every woman that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. For in a great house there's many vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. Some of gold and silver and some of hay and stubble. But if you will purge yourself from these and come out from among them. If you will lay aside youthful lust, you can't stay a child. You must grow up in God. You shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, cleansed, and set apart for a holy purpose and meet for the Master's use. Can you say amen? And when Christians come into that state, Christians are going to be like cities set on a hill. We're going to become the light and we're going to become the salt that God has purposed us to be. I want to be part of that. Heavenly Father, help me to be true to you in the face of discouragement. Help me to be faithful to you. Help me, Lord, not to compromise your truth. And send your word from here, in here and from here, to those who will receive it and respond to it. In the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. And everyone said, Amen, amen. and Amen. amen.